John chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, then we'll go from there to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. St. John chapter 14 and then 1 John chapter 3. Allow our children to be dismissed. Congratulations to uh, Courtney and Robbo on uh, expecting a little one. And found out yesterday it's going to be a boy. So uh, we're happy and excited for them. Amen. St. John chapter 14, beginning with verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in or believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again yes. and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And then in 1 John chapter number 3, beginning with verse number 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Yes. Amen. I just want to preach on Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray, God, by your spirit, you'll anoint us to preach it. And God, also by your spirit, you'll give us ears to hear and a heart to receive what you desire to speak to us as the church this morning. God, there are needs in this house that only you can meet. My heart is with the Torberts this morning. And God, I am believing with them for a miracle where Benjamin's concerned. I, I've gotten other reports this week, Lord, and they've all been dire. People are sick. We live in a hurting world. And Lord God, I know that you're a miracle-working God. But outside of that, Lord, everything in this earth is fleeting, it's passing, and it's fading. I ask you, Lord God, to set our eyes heavenward, that we would look up knowing that our redemption draws nigh. It is our blessed hope. May we cling to it. God, may we look to it with uh, uh, anticipation, with expectancy, and in faith, knowing that you are coming for us and that when you come, we shall be changed in a moment, and in a twinkling of an eye. We'll leave this world behind and all the pain, all the suffering, all the misery, Oh, God, will be just an afterthought. We will be made like you and be with you forever. That is our hope. That is our joy, and that is our expectation. Touch us around this altar. God, I pray you'll save the lost and heal the sick and baptize a believer in the Holy Ghost. We ask it together in Christ's name. You love Jesus. Would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus he is coming soon. Do you know that in the book of Revelation, as things begin to unfold, he is speaking of the time that is happening during the great tribulation, and he makes the statement, except those days be shortened, there would be no flesh saved. And uh, he said that's a time that is after the rapture of the church that the tribulation that will be upon earth has never been seen before and will never be seen like that time. Again, we're rapidly racing toward that, but I believe like many prophecies in the Bible that 
that that one could very well have a dual meaning to it that should the Lord just continue to tarry for centuries and centuries, if he didn't have a, a, a date to say, I'm coming again, that only he himself knows. Jesus said, not the angels of heaven, right. no man knows that day except for the Father. Right. He didn't have a, a certain date and time set when he would choose to return. Maybe there would be no flesh saved. As the Bible said, evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse, yeah. deceiving and being deceived. Yeah. There's a greater, larger percentage of known atheists in the world than had ever been before. And there's a greater and larger percentage in, uh, of unchurched people in the world than there has ever been before. It seems as if the church is slipping. It seems as if the church is fading. It seems as if the church is going to go down or go under, but the church will rise victorious over it all. <laughs> Amen. I know Jesus said that straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it, but make no mistake, the church will be triumphant and the church We'll reign with Christ forever. And John said in the total summation of it all, I saw a number which no man could number. 10,000 times uh, 10 thousands and thousands of thousands. Uh, he's seen around the throne of God. Somebody's going to be saved. Make sure it's you. Somebody. It's going to leave here when the trump of God sounds uh, and you have to make sure you're one of them. Yes, Amen. There is a moral necessity that Jesus would come again. If he didn't, men would wax worse and worse and worse up until the point that there would be no flesh saved. Jesus must come again. And Jesus must come soon. When men think they're women and women think they're men, Jesus needs to come soon. Amen. When uh, uh, homosexuality is accepted as a normal lifestyle like it was in Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus must come again soon. When uh, uh, men call good evil and evil is being called good, Jesus must come again soon. You may ask, is he really going to come? And if so, how long will it be before he comes? And if so, what's going to happen in this earth after he comes? I want to try to touch on those Will Jesus really come again? The Bible said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You, we, we never build doctrine based on one scripture that stands alone. But the Bible is line upon line, precept upon precept. And uh, you, you can look all throughout scripture and it answers the question of will Jesus come again? And first we'll look just within the pages of the Bible, the scripture itself, as if we need any proof. If Jesus said it, then I believe it. He's never lied yet. He's never been wrong once. But if you look within the witness of the scripture itself, what does the Bible have to say about will Jesus come again. From Matthew to Revelation, every one out of every 25 verses of the New Testament make reference to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Out of the 260 chapters of the New Testament, uh, there's the mention of Christ's return uh, no less than 318 times. Uh, there's more said of the coming of the Lord uh, than any other statement uh, 
of, of any other cardinal doctrine of our faith. There's more said of the coming of the Lord than there is healing. There's more said of the coming of the Lord than there is, uh, you know, uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's more said to the coming of the Lord than there is anything else. Jesus wants us to know he is coming again and his coming is soon. The Bible said if that is your belief that you will purify your heart of all sin, of all carnality, of all wickedness and you will live in expectation of his return. If a, if a, if a, uh, young lady was uh, espoused to a man, uh, he, would, uh, pay her, he would pay her father the dowry. He would, uh, they would have a, you know, a, a brief uh, celebration for the espousement. The espousement was as binding and as legal to us uh, as marriage is. You would have to put her away in divorce uh, to break the espousement. We call it an engagement to them. They were a spouse. They were spoken for. They were, you know, uh, legally bound, waiting for the day of the marriage. And he would say to her, I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. Yeah. And houses were basically built upon houses there in old Jerusalem. If the father lived on the first floor, then the son would build another house above that. He said, I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you, a wedding chamber for his bride. That's going to be for me and you. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. The word mansions there is just simply translated rooms. Amen. God's preparing me a place and God's preparing you a place. And God's preparing every believer a place. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I'm coming again to receive you unto myself. It then become her responsibility to keep herself pure until that groom came back for her. If she's found out to be impure, she's not there's not going to be a wedding. She's got to keep herself pure and she always had to be ready because she didn't know when he was going to return for her. He would send his best man, the friend of the bridegroom, to Jesus, it's the Holy Ghost, and a cry would go forth, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go you out to meet him. And everybody that was invited to the wedding party would all gather up their things and they would leave on a moment's notice. That is a picture and a type of the rapture of the church. You don't know the day nor the hour, but we have our wedding garments on and we, keep, we are keeping ourselves pure. We're keeping ourselves holy. Every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as God himself is pure. There is a part of me that this rapture, this coming of the Lord is a doctrine that makes people get their act straight. This doctrine of the coming of the Lord tells those that are asleep while he tarried, they all slumbered and slept. This message is a herald. It is a cry. It is the clarion call of God by the Holy Ghost. Jesus is coming. You need to trim your lamps. You need to be ready. You need to be watching. You need to have your wedding garment on. It can happen today. This world don't hear it. This world is unprepared for it. But make no mistake, he's coming. Amen. The Bible speaks of it more than any other doctrine of faith throughout the scripture. There's mention of his coming in every New Testament book except for uh, Philemon and 3 John. Every other book of the New Testament mentions the coming of the Lord. If we were to use the same average, that is uh, 
318 times out of 260 chapters. Uh, if I use that same average uh, as the Bible uses, then one out of every six messages uh, that a pastor, evangelist, or missionary preaches. One out of every six messages on average, if we use God's average in the word of God, ought to be on the coming of the Lord. You want to bore somebody or put somebody to sleep or make somebody disinterested, preach to them the most preached message in the book. They've heard it a thousand times. The question is, uh, do they believe it? Do they believe it? Amen. Their life reflects, many of their lives reflect that they don't. But the scripture has warned us over and over and over again and continues to every time we read it. Jesus is coming again. And second, you could take the witness of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. The Bible said he was making reference to his body, which the Bible said is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Did Jesus raise it up in three days? I believe he did. Amen. He rose on the third day, just like he said he would. He also made the statement, I will build my, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. From the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Calvary was the birthday of the church, birthed in an upper room and the church is still on earth alive and well, despite all hell despite communist regimes, uh, despite every devil in hell, every false religion, uh, despite atheism, agnosticism, uh, and every other schism and schism, uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is alive and well. Around the planet Earth, uh, hallelujah, fires couldn't burn her out. Uh, floods couldn't wash her away. She's here he said, I'll build my church. Uh, and the church remains under this day just like Jesus said that it would. Jesus said, in my name, they'll lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. People are still being healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. He said, wherever the gospel of Christ is preached, people will be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. People are being born again around this world. I know we don't see it. The apathy, you know, in America is appalling to say the least. We sum up what Jesus said hardly. Shall a rich man enter into the kingdom of God? It would be easier, he said, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it would be for a rich man to enter in. We don't need God in America, at least not yet. But you don't know. I, I was listening to one, one person that said, uh, you know, that the rumor mill is, uh, as far as world leaders, uh, that if, we come down too hard on Putin that they have a cyber warfare, cyber technology. We know that there's an imp bomb out there that Iran uh, has. Russia works closely with them that have launched over the United States uh, and it detonates uh, in the atmosphere above us. It destroys every electronic signal there is from satellite uh, to the earth. Uh, your car would not crank. Your phone would not work. You would have no power, no electricity, which means no refrigerator. Even if you had a, a, a you know, a, a, a pump for well water, your pump won't work. You'd have to dip out of the stream or you'd have to have an old hand pump well. That they have the capability to send us back to the dark ages with the flip of a switch or really the launch of a bomb. You don't need God today. 
But you can need him desperately tomorrow. If you can't drive to work and you can't make any money, it won't be long. Everybody will be standing in a soup line begging the government to feed them. That's what that bunch of wicked people in Washington want to start with. But your communists and socialists, they want you to be their slaves. They want you dependent upon them. They hate free enterprise. They hate freedom of religion. They hate the fact that you don't depend upon them and are not slaves to them. There's an antichrist coming. They are marching to his beat. Yeah. He will dominate uh, and control the entire world. If you don't worship him, uh, you'll be killed by him. They're marching to his beat. Uh, we're moving toward that day. And I want to tell you, in spite of it all, the church is still here. Amen. Everywhere the gospel's preached, I'm hearing in China, it's been that way for decades, but now throughout the Middle East, in Iraq, in Iran, in Afghanistan, Muslims are converting to Christ by the thousands. You may not see it here, but the world is screaming, Jesus is about to come. Amen. Then there's the Everything Jesus said would happen or would happen has happened or is currently happening. He said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Look, we haven't seen a nation actually invade and take over another sovereign nation, they say, since World War II. I know that Iraq invaded Kuwait, but that was pretty shortly of what they said that uh, this is exactly how Hitler started World War II is what we're seeing Putin do. And, and I, I wasn't alive then. I don't know. I'm just saying it makes you raise your eyebrows and think, uh, could this be something that is starting like dominoes, uh, the beginning of the end? Could uh, We know Jesus is coming soon. We know the Lord's in control. So in my opinion, this has to be part of God's plan. Has to be part of God's plan. I believe it started over a year ago when we witnessed, uh, uh, you know, uh, probably the greatest terrorist attack I've ever seen in my life. The 9-11 was awful. I was pastoring Somerdale at that time. When those planes hit those towers, I remember sitting I sat down in the floor with my back against the wall and my head over my hands thinking, what is happening in my country? And surely the Lord is about to return. When you see something that catastrophic, it shakes you to your core. And as a believer, you think, surely the last days are upon us. We got numb to that, didn't we? Fighting terrorism just become an afterthought, just an everyday thing. We've been in the Middle East in some capacity. I know they just brought them back from Afghanistan, but uh, 30 years from Desert Shield until bringing those troops home, 30 years under the heading of fighting terrorism. And so we just become numb to that. And it seems as though God has to let something else cataclysmic take place to again jolt us back into the reality lest you forget you're still living in the last days. There's the witness of the saints. The Bible said we are begotten unto a lively hope. The lively hope there means the hope of the resurrection of the dead. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. There's going to be the bodily resurrection of every saint of God who's ever died ahead of us. Oh, if you believe that Christ rose from the grave, then you believe in the bodily resurrection of the saints. And at that moment when they get out of the ground, that's the rapture. The, we which are alive, the church is going to get out with them. 
And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. He said, comfort one another with these words. Uh, I preach that at every funeral of every child of God. I know where they are. And I know I'm about to see them again. Amen. The, the witness of the saints, he that hath this hope in him, purifies himself. Uh, the Bible said, which hope is an anchor of the soul. The saints of God in biblical days, the early church greeted one another with the word Maranatha, which simply was a reminder to them, uh, the Lord is coming. We say, hey, what's up? How you doing? Good to see you. How you been? When they seen one another, they said, Maranatha, Brother Bob. Maranatha, Brother Eddie. Maranatha, Brother Daniel. Jesus is coming. It was on the forefront of their mind every day that Jesus was coming. How would you, what would people think about us is that when we went to Walmart, every good old boy that came by nodded his head at us. And we just looked back at him and said, the Lord's coming. Oh, crazy dude. What did he say? He said, the Lord's coming. Crazy, religious, fanatic. It's what they would think. But that's what the early church was. It was their message. It was their calling card. That's how you knew people were born again. In, in the very forefront of every conversation was... The Lord's coming. Oh, you're one of them. You better believe I am. We rarely ever hear it mentioned now. We rarely ever see or meet anybody that even wants to talk about it. I know great conversation killer is to mention that Jesus is coming. I'd rather tell you the latest joke they heard. He'd rather talk about fishing or hunting or basketball or baseball or football or the news, uh, the latest political fire. Oh, I, I could walk up when I worked that secular job, a crowd of dudes coming, you know, they'd be talking about this, that, and the other. And sooner or later, I'd, you know, divert that conversation toward the coming of the Lord. Well, we better get over here. I got to... I gotta go get this machine ready. I gotta, I gotta go find this roll of paper. You know, I, anything but the coming of the Lord. And when they departed, when they said their final amen, their wave goodbye was the same way the conversation started. They greeted and they departed with the same word, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Let it again be on the forefront of our mind. Let it again be the final word in every conversation. Don't let the, the sun go down upon your wrath. If you believe the Lord is coming and that son or daughter's lost, then fix it. Get it right. Let your last words be to them. Hey, I love you. Jesus is coming. I want you to be with me. You know, if I believe Jesus is coming, I'll get it right with my brother because if you ain't right with your brother, you can't be right with God. Woo! Y'all gonna make me let out one of them shouts again. If y'all don't help me shout, I'm just gonna shout for myself. Amen. If you're not right with your brother, you can't be right with God. That's not my way of thinking. That's the Bible. said, if you won't forgive your brother his trespasses against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses against him. What do you have against that? The Bible said, if you know that that one has all against you, and that's reason enough to go to him, make it right. And your last word needs to be, I want me and you to be right. Jesus is coming. I want me and you to be right. Jesus is coming. Many of you have heard that I, I think it's been about two weeks now that little David's dad nearly died. My old 
she probably pronounce it better than I can. Myocardiopathy or something like that where your heart muscle gets weak and just stops beating. It's a it's an after effect of COVID. He had it, didn't know it had been showing signs and symptoms, but just trying to shake it off. But uh, Sister Faith woke up somewhere in the wee hours of the morning to let the dog out and notice that he wasn't breathing right. And she tried to wake him, but he was in cardiac arrest, dying. When got Brad up and he went in there, she called 911. They started walking Brad through CPR and said, this is how it's done. If you don't hear ribs cracking, you ain't doing it right. Paramedics are on the way. He done CPR on his dad right before the ambulance got there. He said he finally started hearing some faint breaths come out of him. They, the paramedics got there, continued. Uh, they, he stopped again. They started CPR. They said they lost him four times on the way to the hospital. Lost him a couple of times in the hospital. The kids all came in. They put him on medication. His heart rate was really erratic, up and down, up and down. They said, we're going to try one more thing. If it don't work, he, he ain't going to make it. So they let them all come in, say their, say their goodbyes, or you know, tell him they loved him or was, was praying for him, and, and God spared him. I seen little David last night. I said, how's your dad? He said, he's doing great. He's not on any medicine, and he's just doing great. He said, the whole thing's just a miracle. I said, it's a miracle that your mama was up. It's a miracle that she was able to get Brad there to do the CPR. It's a miracle that he made it to the He She should have woke up the next morning and him be dead in the bed. I said all that to say this when... I, I remember after leaving Somerdale, there were some feelings there between he and I. Not on my part, but I felt like on his part. And it was just best to leave it alone. Because if you can't fix it, sometimes you just have to leave it alone until God can. Yeah. And so I was riding down the road one day, and I'm going down Highway 59 in Somerdale, and the Lord told me right when I got to that jet station, which is almost to Broadway, the road that the church would be on. It's about two streets past where he lives. And the Lord said, pull in this station and make a U-turn and turn around and go to David Wilson's house. He said, today I'm going to reconcile wow. you with him. And boy, I got nervous then. And so I turned around and went, and it was Brad that answered the door. I knocked on the back door and Brad came to the door and I says, your dad home? He said, yes, sir, I'll go get him. And he came to the door. Hey, he said, let's go outside and talk. I said, I ain't here to fight, fight with you. We can talk inside, but he, he was like me, nervous as I was. We walked out in the backyard. He said, uh, what's going on? What can I do for you? And I said, well, I said, I was riding down the road and the Lord told me to make a U-turn and come to your house and be reconciled with you today. I said, look, I was 28 years old. I ain't never passed through the church before. I was a bull in a china shop. I said the right thing, but I probably most likely said it the wrong way. I didn't have to break as much stuff as I broke up. I said, long story short is whatever I preached, I preached it because I loved you intensely. And wanted the best for you, but I probably messed it up uh, along the way, doing things the way I'd done it because I didn't know any other way to do it. I said, I look backwards on it and wish I'd have done things a lot different than what I had. I'm sorry if I hurt you or your family because I loved you then and I loved you now. He burst into tears and said, man, I've longed for this day. He said, when you left, it was like, a divorce for me. He said, I've heard, I've ached, I've longed for this day. And he hugged my neck. He said, there's no alt between me and you. We're brothers. We're family. I love you. And I told him I love you. Amen. But he knew and I knew. The Lord's coming. There can't be alt between us. If you've let something go for years, I want to tell you, the next time you hear Russia and the Ukraine, the Lord ought to say to you, make a U-turn. Yeah. Right. Right. Right you need to be reconciled.
reconciled. It don't kill nobody to say, I'm sorry. It won't kill you to say, I love you. If I ever made a mistake, and you have, I made it in love. I made it want to do what was best for you. And if I hurt you, I'm sorry. I want you to know I love you. We need to be reconciled because Jesus Got the witness of the saints. Probably more than they would hear Fox News or CNN if you would call somebody and tell them, hey, for the wrong I've done, I'm sorry, and I need you to know I love you. That'd speak to them more than some news anchor ever will. If some people ever heard Somebody apologized, the next words they would speak, say, I know there's a God in heaven because I never thought they would ever say I'm sorry. You know what that's called? Pride. The Bible said pride goes before destruction. Amen. Then there's a witness of the times. He said that the Antichrist could not be revealed except there come a falling away first. The falling away is where we get our word apostasy from. It means a turning from faith in Jesus Christ unto the world. If we've ever witnessed a falling away among believers, we have seen it in our times. A falling away said the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine but will heap unto themselves teachers uh, having itching ears uh, and shall be turned unto fables. Men want a preacher that'll lie to them. And the lie is uh, you can't be right with God uh, if you've got all against your brother. The lie is uh, that if you love sin, you don't love God. Any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If sin is in you, then there's only one remedy, repentance of sin. Amen. That repentance should be preached and the remission of sins in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. There's more sin in most churches to make the devil himself blush. And those people think they're saved. They think they're going to heaven. I told you about one of my cousins. I was offended that I witnessed to him to be born again. He said, look, man, I got saved when I was eight. I was baptized in water. I am a Christian. You, you don't need to witness to me. I said, we were saved. Are you were saved while we smoked dope? You were saved while we chased those girls and while we went to those parties. You were, sa you were saved all that time. And here I was, thought I was going to hell. You was a Christian. And here I was uh, under conviction thinking I needed to make a break from this lifestyle or I was going to go to hell. Man, I was worried about nothing. You better know what this Bible has to say about sin. The wages of sin is death. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you don't love the word of God, but you love to be entertained by this world. You need to be born again. If you don't ever make an altar to pray, except when somebody, you know, kind of asks you to pray with them, if prayer is not your life, it means you don't know God. How can I say to my wife, I love you and never talk to her? How could I say to my children, I love you and never talk to them? You know what they'd say? Yeah, some dad you are. Yeah, some husband you are. We haven't seen you in a year. I would be a deadbeat dad 
There's a lot of deadbeat Christians out there that don't support the work of their father, that never bend their knee to talk to him, and that never read the letter that he wrote to them. Woo! The witness of the times appalling away. God is saying that time is upon us, but don't be like them. Antichrist spirit has invaded our land. We seen an election stole. We watched it uh, uh, allowed to be stolen by the the mandates. They want everybody to stay at home because you can't stay at home. Just mail it in. We'll 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 make sure it's all counted and done up right for you. <laughs> Amen. There was dead people voting. There was people voting nine and ten times. There was people voting in states that ain't that don't even live in that state, that live in a, another state. You don't believe there's cheating. The Democrat Party calls it the big lie. If you think we didn't win it fair and square, then that's just a big lie. I know who the big liar is. And I didn't fall off the turnip wagon just yesterday. I want to tell you when they locked us down and shut us in and forbid us to even be able to come to church. Do you know that during the COVID pandemic that under our governor, bless her heart, you could go to the beach, but you couldn't come to church. That's an antichrist spirit. He said perilous times would come. He said there'd be wars and rumors of war. That's the witness of the times. We have the witness of the saints. We have the witness of the scripture. We have the witness of Christ himself. When is he coming? Kirsten, if you'll come help me, I need to quit. When is he coming? How soon will it be? How long do we have? It has to be soon. Has to be soon. Do you know that, well, the Bible says when you see all these things begin to come to pass and lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. Nigh means near. Your redemption, the salvation of your soul, of your body, and of your spirit is very near. You read in the book of Revelations in the very last chapter of the Bible three times. The Lord utters the same statement three times. Behold, I come quickly. That's God's final say on the matter. Behold, I come quickly. How's he going to come? Quickly. When is he coming? Soon. Our redemption is near. How's it going to happen? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You're not going to have time to pray. You're not going to have time. If you don't fix it today, you got no promise to be able to fix it tomorrow. The Lord, I know that God miraculously saved David Wilson by having his wife awake in the wee hours of the morning. But I always thought, what if the Lord comes in the wee hours of the morning? I am a very heavy sleeper. You know what's going to happen? I'm just going to wake up in glory. <laughs> if you set an alarm clock, I might not hear it. It's the middle of the night. But at midnight there went out a cry. Behold the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. It's at an hour when men are not looking. It's going to be in an hour when men's hearts are not prepared. It's going to be at a time when men are in heavy, deep sleep. This message is the alarm clock. This message is the Holy Ghost screaming, Jesus is coming soon. What's going to happen? What will be the consequence of his coming? 
There are going to be three people affected all at one time when Jesus comes back. Believers are going to be drastically affected. You're going to be gone. You're going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this old corruptible body is going to be put off and a glorified body is going to be put on and you are going to be from here to glory quicker than somebody knows what even happened. It's going to be a change in our life. I'm going to leave these old bifocals. Now my hair needs coloring. I just let it turn gray. And my joke to all the people that have asked me to color it, I said, man, if I was to color my hair and try to look 20 years old again, I'd have all them young girls wanting to take me out on a date. I'm a papa. I'm a poppy. That's the joke side of it. But if you got color in that hair to hide that gray, you ain't going to need the color no more. Woo! Somebody ought to say amen right there. Amen. You got heart health problems. You got diabetes. You got arthritis. Whatever. If, you, if you're like Benjamin and got a tumor bigger than my fist, when that trumpet sounds, all that's staying here. God himself shall wipe away every tear from your eye. All that you knew of trouble, anguish, worry, fear, doubt is all going to be over with. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man. The things of God is laid up and prepared for them that love heaven so good your mind can't even wrap around how good it's going to feel not to be wrapped in flesh you're not even going to war against your own carnality your mind is going to be completely pure and holy your eyes are going to be completely pure and holy your heart is going to be completely pure and holy your body is not going to be tempted by anything God Almighty to be likened God cannot be tempted with sin he's utterly holy through and through in his essence there's no darkness in him at all and I am going to be like him you want to know why we're called an overcomer he said, unto him that overcomes will I grant to sit down with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Because we had to overcome this flesh. We had to overcome carnality. We had to overcome sin and overcome the devil. When you get to heaven, the Lord said, as an overcomer, he said, there ain't going to be none of that at all. I can't tell you how bad that makes me want to go to heaven. And then there's going to be another group of people drastically affected by the coming of the Lord backsliders. The Bible said for the backsliders going to be a day of unspeakable shame. You're going to realize I knew I knew the way and wouldn't walk in it. I sang the songs and didn't believe what I was singing. I had an open door invitation like those that were invited to the wedding feast. And somebody said, well, I married me a wife and I can't come. I bought me 12 yoke oxen and I got to go prove them. I bought me a piece of land, a piece of ground. I got to go work it and till it. They're going to remember every... It's hard for me to remember what I preached two weeks ago because I've already prepared for five more messages since then. 
that you're going to remember every last message you heard preached. Because you'll have all of eternity to remember, I could be in heaven, but I'm not. And then last, the group of people that's going to be affected worst of all is unbelievers. Wicked and the ungodly should be turned into hell. As wonderful as heaven is, hell is just as wonderful in its awful, rotten terror. It is perfect in its terror. It is thoroughly complete in its misery. And the worst thing about hell is there's absolutely no chance that God will hear your prayer. There's absolutely no chance for one drop of mercy. It's forever. And that absolutely wreaks fear in my heart like nothing else. That I would be somewhere, anywhere, forever without God. With no hope. That scared me to death as a child as a teenage boy it kept me from straying so far from God that I couldn't find my way home the thought Jesus is coming and if I don't make it I'm, I'm going to go to hell I couldn't allow that to happen the seed was planted in my heart and conviction stayed there and I yielded to it I pray that I'm sowing the same seed in your heart today. Jesus is coming soon and I can't afford to miss the rapture. If I do, I'll go to hell and I can't go there. I pray that if you was like I was as a, as a young man, as a boy, growing up in the church and lost, I pray that that seed springs up in your heart and utterly haunts you until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ here today and need to be born again. I want you to step from where you're sitting. I want you to get to this altar this morning as quick as you can. If you're here and need to be saved, if you don't believe you're ready, should the trump of God sound, I want you to hurry to this altar as quick as you can. I want you to surrender to the, to the conviction that is piercing your heart through this morning. I want you to give your heart and your life to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saints, I want you to come. I know there's people in here that need to pray. But I want us to pray because we have loved ones that are not born again. Maybe, maybe among the saints of God, maybe you're in here this morning and the Lord said, you got all in your heart and I need to reconcile you before that trump of God sounds. Maybe today would be the day that a phone call or a visit to that family member just say, hey, I'm sorry. I love you. Jesus is coming. Let's get it right. Amen. The Lord will fix it today. You wouldn't even have that on your conscience to worry about anymore. 